Our reading as Neil said is from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 18. If you're using church Bibles, the large print has, is, is on page 934, and the small print Bibles is on 636. Proverbs 3, beginning at verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke, because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. This is God's word for us today. Well, thanks, Kathy, for reading. Good morning, everyone, again. It's good to have you here. Do keep that passage open. Uh, we're going to be looking at it together. Just, uh, I guess, a, a bit of in, uh, a testimony of my own experience of preparing this passage over the last few weeks. Um, I think more than ever, I've experienced this passage really being burnt onto my heart. Uh, you hope and pray that will be the experience every time you preach and you teach God's word. But I've really experienced that recently. Um, and I think it's because this is a, a really wonderful passage. A passage I'm sure we know that we've read before. But it's a hugely important one. And in many ways, I don't think there's a better way of starting 2018 than slowing down and spending some time reflecting on what these words uh, mean. I'd like you just to think back over this last year. The last year of your life. Uh, How has it been? Think of some of the things that have gone well. Uh, there have been so many good things to rejoice in. Just looking around the room, I've shared in some of those joys with many of you through the year. There's been lots of good things this year. Uh, there's been lots of good things in the church. And over this week as we prayed, we've celebrated and given thanks to God for loads and loads of good things that he has done in us and through us. And we thank him for that. And I guess as well as I look around the room, if you look over the last year, there's been some tough things. Uh, I look at a number of you who continue to battle with ill health. Uh, a number of you who continue to grieve the loss of loved ones. Um, I'm just aware of personal situations in a number of people's lives where, which are under strain, relationships, uh, work situations, financial pressures. And there have been also a whole heap of challenges within the church, and there always will be. Uh, often they're relational challenges, and they've been painful. 
and people have been hurt and it's difficult to go through that together. So the year is always going to be a mixture of things that have gone well, things that have been difficult. But if you think about our culture we live in, I think it's fair to say that information is increasing all the time. Just how easy it is to get hold of information. But perhaps it's equally fair to say that maybe wisdom is in decline. There's more and more information available to us, but are we growing in wisdom? That's a question you have to answer. And so I think this verse for the year is a hugely important one for us as a church. Um, And it comes in the book of Proverbs, which is um, one book of a number of books called the wisdom literature in the Bible that seeks to teach us what it means to be wise. And if you want the wisdom literature to be put kind of in a nutshell, it's really this, that God would be bigger to us and that we would be smaller to ourselves. That is the purpose, the big purpose of the wisdom literature in the Bible. So let's pray that God would really teach us through this wonderful passage that we're going to look at um, this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that is found within it. We thank you for these words that mean so much. And even if they're familiar words to us, and we've read them many times before, I pray that you would burn them onto our hearts. That they wouldn't just be verses that we know, but they would be verses that are lived out in our life and verses that are experienced in our lives. Because we want to be faithful and fruitful for you in 2018 and we need your help to do that. So please help us and please help us to understand this passage now. Amen. Great, we'll come, come to um, the passage. Do you notice verse 1? Uh, it starts off with the words, my son. My son. What you get here is, is a father, in a sense, speaking to a son. Um, lots of the wisdom literature in the Bible is set in the context of the family home. It's one of the reasons why, as part of the youth and children's vision, we've talked recently about wanting to increase the support we give to parents in raising their children in that Christian environment. Loads and loads of the wisdom literature is focused on the home. And so what you have here is a father speaking to a son, teaching him to be wise. But at another level, you can read the book of Proverbs, it's, it's like our heavenly father is speaking to you and I as his sons and his daughters, wanting to help us to be wise. And so it's a hugely important passage for us to look at. And notice what the father says to the son. Verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. If I was a betting man and I'm not, I would put a bet that there would be no person in this room who wouldn't long for peace in their life. None of us want to live without peace. And when we do experience a lack of peace, it can be a very unsettling experience. We all want peace. And if you reflect on those things I asked you at the beginning, the things that have gone well this year, the things that have been difficult, in the things that have been difficult, we all will want to know peace. But isn't it wonderful, therefore, that whatever the father is about to say to the son... In his wisdom, he's saying, this is the source of peace. And so we all want peace, therefore we all need this passage. Notice at the end of our reading, towards the end, verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, who gain understanding. And here's the little surprise, verse 14. For she is. So what the writer is doing here is showing us that wisdom here is personified in this lady. As the father speaks to the son and says, pursue wisdom, to help us understand what wisdom is like, the picture is painted of wisdom being this lady figure that the son is going to be pursuing. The father says to the son, pursue wisdom. 
And the reason that's important is because wisdom is not just an intellectual, cerebral thing. Wisdom is experiential. We experience wisdom. We live out wisdom in the nitty-gritty day-to-day. And so speaking here of wisdom as a person helps us understand that relational element of what biblical wisdom is. And you notice in the verses that follow, 14 to 18, notice the three Ps, and they're on the screen there in yellow. Wisdom is profitable. It's more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. See, gold and silver, they're precious, they're they're of value. But the father is saying to the son here, wisdom is more profitable than them. So growing wisdom is way, way more important than any of us growing our bank accounts. Notice the second one. She, wisdom, is precious. When something is precious, you look after it, you treasure it, and you pursue it. If you can see wisdom as precious, you will treasure it. And you will pursue it. And that is what you will put your time and your energies into. And then notice again, we saw at the beginning of the reading, do you see again in verse 17, peace. Wisdom leads to peace. And we all want to experience peace in our lives. And then the last verse, verse 18, she is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. So when we're talking about wisdom in the Bible... We're talking about issues as serious as life and as death. And pursuing wisdom is a hugely important thing for us all. And do you notice back in verse 13, wisdom is not something you and I will stumble over. You won't automatically grow wiser as you grow older. What does it say, verse 13? Blessed are those who find wisdom. So you have to seek wisdom. You have to pursue wisdom. You have to long for wisdom. You're not just going to get automatically wiser as you get older. So as we come to our passage, I just want to look at three kind of commands or uh, three commands and one kind of outworking as we see in this verse. They're all very simple, but just to help us understand it. And then we're going to try and root our memory verse in three really practical applications for 2018. But here's the first one. Notice what the father says to the son, speaking of wisdom. Trust in the Lord With all of your heart. Trust. That word trust there is speaking of having a kind of settled confidence. A settled confidence. And notice where that confidence is found. In the Lord. Do you see on the screen, the word Lord is written in capitals. It's a translation of the Hebrew name for God, Yahweh. And that name, that particular name, focuses on God who is the covenant maker, the covenant keeper. It's a name that speaks of the promises of God. So here, where we're instructed to trust in the Lord, we're not trusting in a foreign deity that can't be known. We're not trusting in some distant God who's not really interested in things of our life. We're trusting in a sovereign God of relationship, a God who makes promises to us and a God who keeps those promises. So trust is deeply relational. And notice it's a trust in the Lord, not with some of our heart, not trust in the Lord when life is going well. It's trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And that's where we read this as a bit of a rebuke. And I certainly have this week because I struggle with this all the time. I do trust in the Lord, but not with all of my heart. And there are lots of days where I choose not to trust him. And there are some days where I struggle to trust him. But trusting him with all of our heart is saying that trusting in God is about an entire and exclusive trust. Putting our trust in the sovereign God who controls everything, because he is the God who gives us the peace that we've seen twice in our reading. 
So trust, a settled confidence in who God is. But it says here, trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. That word lean there, it's not so much in the sense of kind of um, this sort of a lean. Just kind of leaning up against the table because I'm a bit tired. The word lean here is more this kind of leaning. Here's a lady up a tall tower in the suburbs of North London and she's abseiling. Now I have done a bit of climbing and abseiling. I enjoy abseiling. I'm going off with some people in this church in a few months to do some climbing and abseiling. But even if you're relatively experienced and you enjoy climbing, you enjoy abseiling, you'll know if you've ever done it. There's a time when you're on the edge of the rock and at one moment your feet, uh, all the weight is going through your feet. But as you lean back, there has to come a critical moment, as you can see here, where you put all your weight in the harness and in the rope. If you don't, you end up just falling falling down and the rope will hold you, but it's pretty painful. You have to lean back and, and, and just let go of trusting in yourself and the rope holds you secure and the harness holds you secure. Here's a younger lady who's showing off a bit. But it's the same principle. Leaning back on God. And so as you and I seek to trust in God in 2018, he's not calling us just to sort of lean against him like he might prop us up when we're a bit tired. He's calling us to sit right back in the harness and give our full trust to who he is. And there's a huge difference between the two. You might be familiar with the beginning of the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And when I fear the Lord, I understand who he is. I have this awe and reverence before him. When I understand just how big God is, then it helps me to lean back on him fully because I know I'm completely and utterly secure. And the thing is, I've climbed loads of times. The first time you lean back on a rope, you're really nervous. You're still nervous every time you do it, but you know the rope will hold you because it always has. And the more you go through the Christian life, the more you fully lean back on God, the more you recognize he is dependable and will never let you down. But you can't trust him if you don't lean back on him. Because if I stand on the edge of the rock and I never lean back, what I'm doing is trusting my own legs. There has to come a point where I stop trusting and I start trusting in the rope. And I think many of our follies, our greatest follies in life, come when we struggle to really lean back on God. Because it puts us in what we feel is a vulnerable position, but actually it's the wisest position. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. And then notice how the reading goes on. In all your ways, submit to him. Or your, your, your translation might say, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Now that word submit is a, a funny word. It's often misunderstood in God's word. But it's actually a wonderfully liberating word. Because submitting ourselves to the lordship of Christ is actually the place of greatest freedom. Rather like in the marriage commands where a husband is called to love his wife... And a wife is called to submit to her husband. That's not a negative word. Because a wife will want to submit to a husband who loves her like Christ has loved the church. Because what is that love? It's a giving love. It's a serving love. And so here, where we're called to submit or acknowledge God, we're putting our trust in one who wants to give to us, who wants to serve us. Not a God who wants to beat us with a big stick and tell us every time we've messed up. And here, this word, uh, this idea of submission and acknowledgement, it could equally be translated as knowing. So in all your ways, acknowledge him, or in all your ways, submit to him. It could equally say, in all your ways, know him. Now think about that. 
Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him. See, the Christian life is a life of relationship with God. Not knowing about God, but knowing him. And growing to know him better. And if I put my full trust in him and I truly know him, it's about then knowing him through the day. Not just having my sort of quiet time in the morning and then charging into the day, doing my own thing. But knowing God all through the day. Walking in step with his spirit. Asking for God, for his strength, for his help, for his wisdom, for his grace, for his peace. Every day, every minute of every day. That's what it means to know God. That's what it means to acknowledge and submit to him. And then finally, he will make your path straight. It's this idea of of being led towards a goal. You'll know what it's like if you go walking and it's a windy path and it's dark and there are lots of things you might stumble over. God wants to make our path straight. He wants to give our life direction and purpose. He wants you to know where you're headed. He wants you to have confidence in death. And that is what this verse is speaking of. I, I, I struggle with this a little bit this week and it made me laugh because it doesn't say here submit or acknowledge God, know God and he will make your path straightforward. It doesn't say that. It doesn't make life easier. Being a Christian is often harder. God doesn't make our life straightforward but he does make our life straight if we trust him because our life has a purpose. Our life has a certain hope. So I hope some of those little reflections just help you to grasp the depth of just these familiar words that you will have read many times before. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. But then I started wrestling with, well, how do we apply this? Because you could apply this everywhere. And I started thinking and dreaming and scribbling. And then I just did what you're meant to do when you're reading the Bible. Read the next few verses after the passage. And amazingly, God in his wisdom gives us three incredible applications. We don't need to look for them. They're here. And I think they're hugely timely for us as a church. I haven't manufactured them because of the situation we're in as a church. They're just here. And God in his wisdom wants to apply this, these wonderful verses in these three areas to help us. And here's the first one. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. You go back to verse 5. Trust in the Lord and lean not on your own understanding. If I lean on my own understanding, what I'm doing is I'm being wise in my own eyes. And I'm commanded here, do not be wise in your own eyes. Instead, trust in the Lord. So to help you with this, I'm going to be quiet in a moment. Here are three little boxes. This is a time for you to apply some of this to your own life. I want you to think about the use of your time. How you spend your time. I want you to think about your decision making. How do you go about making decisions in your life? And I'd like you to reflect a little bit on your devotional life, the time when you slow down from all the day-to-day busyness and sit at the feet of God. Three areas to think about. And here's the question I want you to ponder, and I'll give you a few moments of quiet to do this. As you reflect on those three things, are you wise in your own eyes? Or do you seek God's wisdom? Just spend a bit of time thinking about that. They might just be um, things to take home with you, just to jot down, write on your phone, uh, talk about around the table, uh, pray with and talk about with your spouse or with your children, just to reflect on 
Am I wise in my own eyes? And if I am, just to acknowledge it and to come to God and say, Lord, I want 2018 to be a year where I don't seek to be wise in my own eyes. I want it to be a year where I depend on your wisdom. Can you help me? I need to pray that for myself. Will you pray that for me? And I'll endeavor to pray it for you. Let's move on to the second application. Uh, Interesting, this is the one that God and his wisdom gives us second after this verse of trusting in the Lord. Honor the Lord with your wealth. It's often quite a sensitive subject. In some ways, I don't understand why. I kind of do, but it's a shame because money and wealth is actually an important thing to talk about and it should be a joyful thing to talk about. But why the writer here is saying to his son, one of the ways that you express your trust in the Lord is through honoring the Lord with your wealth. It's because he knows and he recognizes that your inner devotion to God is played out in practical ways in which you live your life. Perhaps none more so than the way that you choose to use your money. Because actually the way that we use the money God has blessed us with is probably one of the greatest indications of the state of our heart. I think that's the reason why the father says to the son here, honor the Lord with your wealth. Now maybe we need just to step back as we think about that word wealth, because you read that and it's very easy, isn't it, to kind of feel, well, I don't really feel that wealthy. I mean, I'm blessed with a nice home and plenty of money, but I don't feel really wealthy because most of the money that comes in goes out. I can pay the bills, I have to be careful with my money, I can enjoy nice things, but not lavishly. But I don't feel I've got loads. And part of the reason that we might struggle with this, living in a place like we do, is because even if you're very wealthy and you live in a million pound house, there'll be someone next door who lives in a two million pound house. So you can be a millionaire and say, I'm not wealthy. So just a little dose of perspective, and one of the reasons I love going overseas It's just being humbled by what other people live with. And every single person in this room is wealthy. Very wealthy. Even if we feel that we struggle a lot financially. We're very, very wealthy. And God has blessed us with so much. And so one of the greatest ways that we can trust in God is honoring him with all that he has blessed us with. And do you see how the reading goes on? Honor the Lord with your wealth and the, it, the, the little indication for that is with the first fruits of your crop that's a little phrase or an idea that comes from Deuteronomy 26 where God was saying to his people in order to remember all that I have done for you in rescuing from Egypt this is the command I give you honor the Lord with the first fruits of all that you have so the whole purpose of giving is it's meant to in principle be a response to all that God has done for us The Israelites were called to give the first fruits of their crop here in response to their rescue from Egypt. And we are called to give the first fruits of all that we have in response to all that Christ has done for us. In that sense, it shouldn't be a Christian duty, but a Christian joy. How much has God given me? How much do I therefore want to give back in service for him? And just reflect on why here the writer is saying, uh, reflecting on God's commands, why does God say, give of the first fruits? Think about it. When spring soon comes and the first fruit starts growing, it's often the best fruit. It's the sweetest fruit. Uh, I uh, am pretty rubbish at growing vegetables, but I'm trying in a little vegetable plot. Last year was really good. I did some great courgettes that went crazy and they were delicious. This year, I tried growing some purple sprouting broccoli because it's expensive and Steph keeps buying it. So I said, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna grow you some. And the plants grew and grew and grew. And I was told the crop would be coming soon. But they never came. And I'm really disappointed. But can you imagine if the purple sprouting broccoli had come, just the first fruit of it, and I'd picked it, and I'd been tending and looking after it and watering it for months. Imagine if I gave that away. 
You might say, well, you're crazy. You've given it away. What happens if the crop then gets a disease and you don't get any more purple sprouting broccoli? Steph will go and buy more. (laughs) Terrible. But here's the principle. When the first comes, I give of the first. It's the very best. Why do I give of the first? Because God has given me his very best. But here's the other principle about the first fruits. If I give the very best, the first, the first flowering plants of my purple sprouting broccoli, I have to trust, don't I? Because if I give away the first bit of my broccoli, what happens if no more grows? I'll never get to enjoy what I have grown. When God calls us to give of our first fruits, to give the very best that we have, to give before we start spending, not seeing what we have left over when we've spent, and then give him what's left over, he's saying, will you trust me? Give. And give even if you don't know and have all the financial certainty you want for the future. Give and trust me. And I will bless you. It's a completely countercultural way of giving. But that's the principle behind giving in God's word. And it's interesting that it's here. So I want to challenge you to think about this. For each one of us, how can we give to the Lord in response to everything he's done for us? How can we give generously? It's a wonderful gift giving. It's a wonderful grace giving. And so I commend it to you to really pray together and on your own about your giving this year. Giving of our time, giving of our money, sharing of all that we have. But it's a great way of expressing our trust in the Lord. And here's the last one. Do not despise the Lord's discipline. We know that God's word will teach us and train us. We know equally it will rebuke us and correct us. But here, the father says to the son in his wisdom, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father rebukes the son he delights in. Just a couple of things for you to think about. If you're a parent, particularly a parent of younger children, I want you to ask yourself this question. What is the greatest gift that you can give your child? Let me score the goal for you. The greatest gift you can give your child is not the best education, is not all the stuff, is not even your love, as important as that is. The greatest gift you can give your children is bringing them up in the knowledge and fear of the Lord. It's the thing that will last long after you go. That is the greatest gift. So if you're a parent, maybe this year, pray and ask God, Lord, in all the time and energy I give to my parenting, and all the legitimate demands of parenting, which are important, of all of that, Lord, please help me to give my very best time to my children to bring them up to know and love the Lord Jesus better. Because that is an investment you will never, ever regret. And there are plenty of other investments that are good, but you might regret. Think about uh, membership of the church, your commitment to the church. Membership is just an expression of commitment to the church and an expression of the church's commitment to you. Think about what that looks like for you. Being accountable to your profession of faith. So this year, when a brother or sister lovingly rebukes you, challenges you about a behavior or an attitude, are we going to recoil and naturally try and defend ourselves? Or are we going to be generous and say, thank you for pointing that out. Thank you for loving me enough, for disciplining me. Of course, we don't want to be pharisaical. We don't want to go around pointing fingers, but we want to love one another. And sometimes that requires discipline. Maybe when you feel the financial squeeze, and as a church, we're pretty tight on money relative to the vision that we have. 
Maybe part of the reason God is allowing that at the moment is to teach us to be humble and fully dependent on him. If we've got tons of reserves in the bank, it's very easy to become complacent, reliant on self. If God draws those reserves down, he's teaching us where does all your money come from? Where does all the provision for your life come from? It doesn't come from you. It comes from me. So trust me. Don't despise the Lord's discipline. Three, I think, wonderful little um, applications for our verse for the year. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Honor the Lord with your wealth. And do not despise the Lord's discipline. I've just got two or three very short concluding comments to make. But before we do, I'd love us to remain seated. But we're going to sing together. It's a song that draws together a lot of what we've been thinking about this morning. It's a song that reflects on particularly our verse for the year. We're going to remain seated and sing this song just to allow us to respond. And then I've just got three little sentences to close with. So friends, I hope you're excited about 2018. Just as I close, I want us to look back. And I pray as we look back over our life so far, we were able to fully trust in the love that God has for us. I pray that this will be a year where you can rest in the love God has for you and be totally sure of that love. I pray that in the present, you and I will be open to all that God is doing in us and he's going to do through us and be open to all that his spirit wants to do in this church in leading us forward. And then as we look forward into 2018, I pray that our hearts will be obedient to God in everything, that we would indeed trust in him. Because it's going to be an exciting year. There's loads of good things to look forward to. It's such a joy to be a part of this church family. And so I'm looking forward with real expectation to a great year. Because as by God's grace, we put into practice this verse for the year. So could I ask us as we close, could you put up the last slide of the um, PowerPoint, please, Norman? If you're able to flip back to that. It is that verse. It will come up on the screen in a moment. And we're just going to close by speaking this word out to each other. And then John and Caroline are going to close our service by leading us in prayer. That's great. There's the words on the screen. So let's say this together as a declaration that as a church this year in 2018, this is the way that we want to live. Should we speak together? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Let's pray together. Thank you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. We thank you, Lord God, that we can put our trust in you, for you are the Lord. You made the heavens and the earth. There is no other name above yours. You are the true living God. And so in you we place our trust, all that we are, with all of our hearts. May this be so in the coming year. Amen. And lean not on our, your own understanding. Oh, we are sorry, Lord, that uh, so often we go our own way and we trust in our own wisdom. We come to you when our lives are difficult and our plans are failing. And then after the crisis has passed, we forget you again. Please help us to bring ourselves to you first, to pray in all circumstances, to study your word that we can grow closer to you, trust you more, and place you at the centre of our lives. Amen. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Thank you, Lord, that you are always with us. You go before us, 
You are at our side as well as behind us whispering words of comfort, wisdom, encouragement, guidance and truth. As we seek to acknowledge you in all our ways, may this be so at home, at church, when we're on our own or with others, at work, at rest, when we are happy or sad, in a storm or at peace, angry or pleased, facing illness or in good health, in our friendships, in our families, in our marriages. Lord, may we turn our faces towards you the first thing in the morning. May we praise you as Lord whenever we think of you and may we cry out to you, speak to you, as well as listen to you throughout the day and even if we wake at night. Lord, we do not want to do anything without remembering that you are with us, watching over us, wanting the best for us, longing for us to make good choices, correcting us, teaching us, disciplining us and loving us. As we acknowledge you in all our ways, may we no longer just need to turn to you when life gets tough. Rather, by living with you by our side, may your glory and goodness be known to all through us all of the time. Lord, may we in all our ways acknowledge you. Amen. And he will make your path straight. We thank you so much, Lord, that uh, as we trust you with all our heart, as we lean on you, as we put all our trust in you and look to you for our strength, and as we acknowledge you, as we know you, that you will guide us each and every day. And Lord, thank you that although our paths are more certain with you, that even if they go uphill at times and they are difficult, that you are always with us. You promise that you will never leave us. And so as we close, I'm just going to read uh, some words from Isaiah in praise of you. You say to us, whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ear will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Thank you, Lord. Amen.